On January 18th, the head of the Boston Public Health Commission, Dr. Bisola Ojikutu, was the first to be tested for COVID-19 in the Bowling Municipal Building Testing Clinic in Nubian Square, Roxbury. This free, high-capacity walk-in clinic is run by CIC Health, and results will usually be available within 24 hours. It is opening in an attempt by Mayor Wu's administration to make testing more available to Boston residents. The hours of operation are Tuesday through Saturday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. It is the third standalone site opened by the Boston Public Health Commission and joins the Cole Community Center in Jamaica Plain and the West End House in Alston as the other two free walk-in centers in Boston. In anticipation of the continuing escalation of COVID cases, additional walk-in centers will soon be opening in Dorchester and Mattapan. Today, we are celebrating another testing site that the Boston Public Health Commission has stood up to make sure that testing is accessible across all of our neighborhoods in Boston. I am so excited at the potential for this to be one more way to cut down the lines that we've been seeing across the city. Just as a point of reference, when we visited the Anna Cole testing site, which had been one of the city's busiest testing sites, they had room for 11 people to be tested at once. Here there's room for 20. Here there's room for 20 people to be tested at the same time. 50 people to be in line safely here inside. The Be Together initiative, along with this testing site and others that we will be opening soon, are part of a comprehensive plan that we've put together as a city to keep Bostonians safe and healthy, particularly during this surge. So as Mayor Wu mentioned, this is a walk-in testing site and it's free, um, no appointments are necessary. This is really a vital resource for the Roxbury community and nearby communities. We know that COVID-19 has disproportionately imp impacted um, people of color and exacerbated existing barriers to care. So we're really proud to open this site in the heart of Boston's black and African-American community. We're very excited about uh, opening this new site in the city of Boston. Uh, this is a uh, sort of a mass testing site. We're gonna do at least a thousand people a day. So as you can see behind me, there's five different stations. In each of those stations, there is uh, five, four testing booths. So we can do 25 people basically in the testing area and 50 people lining up and we will be using a new ticket system so to avoid uh, lines in the, in the outside, where once we get to 50 people outside, we will offer one of these tickets for our guests to come back at a time that works for them and avoid the lines. And we expect to do about 1,000 people a day. On January 19th, Governor Baker and state education officials visited the Ellis Early Learning Center in Boston to announce a new program that will create more testing flexibility and more rapid antigen tests in Massachusetts early education centers. This program will make testing more available and help keep staff and children in the care centers. Testing for COVID-19 will allow staff and children two and older who were exposed to COVID-19 to be tested daily for five days with rapid COVID tests. During this period, they can continue to remain at work or school as long as they test negative. The program provides these early education and daycare centers with rapid COVID-19 tests at no charge. Distribution of these tests will begin the week of January 31st. Participants can sign up through the nonprofit Neighborhood Villages, which has been partnering with the Department of Early Education and Care to give child care centers access to multiple testing options. To help educators safely do their job, and to help families access care, we're rolling out two new testing options for early education today. A rapid testing program for kids and teachers who may have COVID systems, symptoms 
and a rapid testing program for cohorts or classes. Under the symptomatic rapid testing program, children and staff who show symptoms can take a rapid test, and if they're negative, they can stay in care. This will help quickly isolate any infected staff and students. And under the rapid cohort testing program, close contacts of a confirmed case will be able to stay in care provided they test and test negative for five days. This will eliminate the need to quarantine these close contacts, which in some centers can translate into entire classroom. Rapid tests for these two programs will be free and the distribution will be supported by neighborhood villages. Programs must be enrolled with neighborhood villages to receive free tests from EEC and enrolling with neighborhood villages is also free. Programs that enroll with neighborhood villages by January 24th will begin receiving tests the week of January 31st. And we expect the rapid test program will be a game changer for many folks in early education and care as the vast majority of the kids they serve are under the age of five and therefore can't be vaccinated at this point in time. We know that as we move through COVID-19 recovery, ensuring parents can rely on childcare is an essential part of getting back to normal. Massachusetts' new testing for childcare program options are the first in the nation statewide testing initiative for childcare that will deliver these rapid antigen tests to programs, allowing for staff and children two years and older who have had a direct exposure to COVID-19 to test negative daily for five days and remain in care during that time. Testing for childcare provides multiple options and builds on the successful pooled testing that we have operated for about a year. These, this, these new programs will be open to all licensed childcare, both center-based and family childcare homes, and they will be able to access sign up for free COVID testing, along with the resources, sample forms, trainings, and protocols that they can use at their place of business to work with their families and children and staff. The consistent, comprehensive testing of early education and care sector particularly without a vaccine available for children zero to five, is key to ensuring that childcare can remain open for working families. And we know that these testing programs are effective. When cases were incredibly high last winter, our testing program reduced the rate of positivity among participants from over 3% to 0.1%, well below the community rates at the time, and it did it really fast. We're thrilled about the enhancements to this testing program, which are being announced today, which will offer childcare providers across the state additional supports. This groundbreaking updated model includes multi-pronged testing strategies, pool testing combined with rapid tests to help childcare providers identify cases and reduce spread. This will help ensure our kids are protected, parents can work, and our critical, critical workforce can feel safe as they care for our children. Consistency of care is critical, consistency of caregivers. Children need a routine. They need to depend on their experiences day in and day out. They need the opportunities to learn and laugh and play and be with each other. This is where they're getting their social emotional education. It's where they're learning to share, take turns, control their emotions. If they're not here, they're likely gonna be at home with 
potentially families, parents who are trying to work at home, not being able to give them the attention we can here. They might be um, with a family member. They, the circumstances wouldn't be the same, and, and we pride ourselves on providing the best possible opportunity for the kids that come here. On January 20th, Mayor Michelle Wu signed an executive order reaffirming the city of Boston's commitment to fair housing and racial equality. Wu said the order would implement the assessment of fair housing. A large part of the order will be represented by a $50 million capital investment in the Mildred C. Haley apartment complex in Jamaica Plain. These monies will go towards improvements in plumbing, ventilation, and renovating windows and bathrooms throughout the 526 units in the complex. Wu termed the announcement a starting point for the improvements to these units and called them investments for the future in terms of quality of life, air quality, and energy efficiency. The mayor also said a major portion of federal money coming to the city during her administration will be used for affordable housing and the money will be well spent. Today's news is a major step toward protecting current and future residents' access to dignified, affordable housing. It's an investment that speaks to our city's commitment to this community, to our ability to move forward by in ensuring the long-term sustainability of these residences, and this is what it will do. Restore more than 250 housing units for low to moderate income residents. Create hundreds of new units and substantially improve the quality of life for all residents here at Mildred Haley. Again, this is an investment that builds on generations of work that advocates and tenant leaders have done to improve the quality of life for our residents, to create better, brighter spaces we can all be proud of. And it's also an investment in our future, one that will make these homes better, for our planet and for our kids and their kids to come. After years and years of less and less federal funding, our apartment had no seriously brown down and cannot support the well-being of our family. Our families, especially our children, our elderly and our disabled residents need safe, sanitary, quality housing in JP. The diverse and vibrant neighborhood of Boston, we are proud to call home. The mayor commitment of 50 million today will go forth toward ensuring that our family can live in home. We can be healthy and successful. This investment in public housing today is so important because it just makes such a difference in a family's life when they live in, you know, not just a roof over their head, but decent housing, the kind of housing that makes you feel like you can build a real foundation that your kids are proud to come home to, um, that's a good basis for work and play. And, you know, I just think that so often in America we've let housing for our lowest income residents really degrade to levels that are just not acceptable. Um, and we, you know, we have to keep these families in our community and we have to keep them in really high quality housing um, that's, uh, that's got the investment, that's got the, um, the new features and, um, and that's healthy and, and safe and a great place for healthy lives. You can't underestimate what an inv investment like this can, can do. I mean, not just for the buildings, but for pride of place for residents, for quality of life for residents, um, to be able to have a new kitchen, a new bathroom, ventilation, eliminate uh, plumbing and mold and mildew issues that are dogging these buildings because they need substantial repairs that we haven't been funded to make. 
it's just a huge game changer and it'll be transformative and I'm just really excited to get going on it. On January 21st, in a ceremony in the Charlestown Navy Yard, Commander Billy J. Farrell became the first female in the USS Constitution's 224-year history to take over command of this historic vessel. The Constitution, a naval warship affectionately called Old Ironsides, received its nickname because of its record of being unbeatable in battle while in service during the First Barbary War, the War of 1812, and as a training ship for Union forces during the Civil War. During its illustrious career, it destroyed or captured 33 opposing vessels and took on the British Navy in the War of 1812. Farrell is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and trained as a surface warfare officer and served as the executive officer of the USS Vicksburg prior to her newest appointment. She replaces the USS Constitution's current captain, Commander John Benda, and says it's important for her to help strengthen the ship's legacy and tell its stories before she passes on the ship's torch of command in about two years. Constitution serves as a living piece of history. Unlike so many other topics that we can only read about in books, Constitution can be visited and experienced firsthand, connecting us to those that had a vision of what this country and government would be. Any person that walks on the decks of the ship is immediately standing on the page of history itself. She also serves as a somber reminder of those that gave the ultimate sacrifice on her decks to create the nation that we know today. Her name carries the weight of the document to which we are all familiar and to which all members of the armed services swear an oath to support and defend. I have been humbled by the outpouring of support I received as I embark on this amazing journey. Thank you to the city of Boston for the warm welcome. Thank you to my home state of Kentucky for sharing in this celebration. To the crew, I have been blown away by your professionalism and excitement for both the ship and the Navy during these past few weeks. I'm looking forward to getting to know you all more and continuing our mission to preserve, promote, and protect Constitution. You are the beating heart of this ship. Thank you to everyone for being here today. I'm looking forward to the next two years and the privilege to command America's ship of state and the greatest Navy on the earth. Today's change of command offers one more chapter to the unique and storied history of this famous warship and her connection to the American people. For the first time in its nearly 225 year history, a woman will take command and lead this crew. To place our ship of state into the capable hands of one of our finest women officers is a symbol of our commitment, not just to equality, but to the laws of our land being fulfilled. For the 500,000 who walk across the brow of the Constitution, each will have the opportunity to see what opportunities this country and our naval service provide to every hard-working, optimistic American sailor. And I can only hope that a new generation of people are inspired by seeing a woman as the captain of our ship of state, recognizing that for them too, there is no limit to what they can accomplish. Commander Farrell has worked her way up in the Navy, a Naval Academy grad. She's uh, 
done all the tough assignments along the way. She was XO of the USS Vicksburg, her most recent tour. Uh, she's proven herself over and over again, and this is a, for a sailor who works their tail off. Uh, this is a payoff, command at sea. There's nothing more important than command at sea, and she's earned every step of it along the way. Commander B.J. Farrell, then become command, uh, commander in the United States Navy overnight. She worked for it. She worked very, very hard to be where she is. She, before coming here, she was on a surface warship herself. So by her coming here to, to become the 77th commanding officer of the USS Constitution in the USS Constitution 224 years history, it's remarkable. And it shows every young lady, every young woman out there that they could be whatever they want to be.